Indonesia, a land of mystery. From the thick jungles of Sumatra to the crystal clear waters of Lombok. Hi, I'm Kyle, and let me take you on a journey across this wonderful land to meet the people who make the hospitality industry in Indonesia world class. Whether you're a veteran in hospitality, a seasoned investor, or someone looking for a sea change in life, this podcast covers everything that you need to know to inspire your next move in Indonesia. Today's guest is someone who I've admired for a while from afar, and it's an absolute honour to have Pak Bisma Jatmika online with us today. Pak Bisma is the Director for Tourism, Industry and Institutions for the Borobudur Tourism Authority. Pak Bisma, thank you for making time in your really busy schedule for us today. Hi Kyle, nice to meet you. I'm going to start off with this question, and I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while. I love your posts. Um, they're insightful, they're positive, and they paint a really beautiful picture of what we can expect to see in Indonesia in the future. Um, why are you so positive about the hospitality industry and Indonesia in general? Okay, Kyle, glad to hear that my post is interesting. Uh, I've observed that currently, you know, vacation is one of millennials' needs, and they save some budget to go from some place for a place relaxation, escape from hectic routines and rejuvenation. They also need to keep their existence in social media nowadays, you know, the Instagram, the Facebook, and even some YouTubes. And Indonesia has a unique cultural attraction, yeah. Uh, actually, around 35% of our total portfolio is in cultural attraction, the dancing, the crafting, the painting, music. Yeah, wow. And combined with our beautiful landscape in highland and beaches when you can enjoy sunrise, stargazing, surfing, uh, we also have a strong historical sites. Yeah. Those are certified by UNESCO, you know, the Borobudur Temple and also some ancient temples here, the ancient volcano, ancient early man sites. Uh, as we can say that we offer you plenty of experience in Indonesia. And that's why I really think that it's positive for us to uh, have this uh, tourism sector hospitality. And maybe uh, next year we will start to grow again. It seems that you care really deeply for your team. Um, you can see the way that you interact with, with different people on LinkedIn. Now, what, what, have, what have you learned about leadership uh, and managing people through your career that you'd like to share with our listeners? Okay. Uh, my team is part of me. I assume they are my brothers, my sisters. We fight together, we share happy moments, and we support each other in hard times like this. <laughs> I learned that uh, we respect a very supportful chief. Yeah, uh, Back there 15 years ago until now, we love to work with him, with this supportive chief, and achieve even the hardest target. And a leader must give example, I think, and the followers will understand how to get to what he has planned in the first place. And even I learned that working hand in hand will give a gorgeous result. Yeah. I always talk about the what we call an intrinsic side, yeah, because working is not all about money currently. Some say it's about friendship, helping people, serving the country, or maybe being hurt by others. That's what I learned about leading yeah yeah absolutely and i think particularly in um one thing that i learned from business in indonesia is this idea of face where it doesn't matter how much money you have 
It's about your social interaction, your social worth, and that's worth more to Indonesians than having a really fancy car. It's it's not worth a fancy car if no one respects you, and that's what I really love about doing business there. You know, we're in the Eastern uh, culture, yeah, where friendship, family, something more important than getting money or be a star by yourself. Yeah, we work together. Uh, yeah, we 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 uh, cry together, and everything is what we call a community community achievement. Yeah, that's what in happen in Indonesia. It's not all about money here. It's about friendship, networking, and be happy. Yeah, yeah, that that's so true. And a lot of you know, a lot of friends of mine who've who've come to invest in Indonesia, they don't understand that. They're like, oh, why are the staff are never here? They're always at weddings and other events. It's like, <laughs> yes. yeah, of course, <laughs> because that's more important to them than than the job because it's community. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the way you uh, maybe take their heart, yeah. Uh, and be patient with people in Indonesia and come closer and uh, you can do business well with us. I think there's that fundamental understanding that doing business in Indonesia is different to doing business anywhere else and actually knowing those those small cultural differences that motivate staff, that allow them to work for you um, and, and with you, not, not just for you, with you. I've always found that my staff really want to work with me, then they're not so concerned about working for me as working with me. And when they align with what I want, you really get exponential results. <laughs> yeah, of course, everyone say that an employee is not leaving their job, they're leaving their leaders. 100%, exactly right, exactly right. Now, what's one thing that you you wish you knew at the start of your career? Uh, hard to tell, but if I had a time machine, you know, I would like to send me back from the future <laughs> and set my, you know, and yeah, just come from yeah. the future and then set my life like playing Lego, right? And you can just build your brick. <laughs> like but you know, uh, Kyle, when I was a boy, yeah, I answered that I want to be a pilot. Yeah. Then in high school, I want to be a doctor. And I studied architecture. <laughs> you know, it's something strange that it's not in line with what you really expect in your early life, yeah, and then my master degree and PhD are in management. Yeah, I love the strategic management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you see my educational background is like a salad. <laughs> it's it, it is like you know you started off in in banking and then you went into marketing, <laughs> then regional development, and and now effectively politics and government. Yeah, it's just a, like a bowl of salad. Okay, you put everything in there, but uh, uh, eventually it will give a. The same dressing, yeah, it's like uh, mayonnaise or uh, some sauce, yeah. So uh, that's my life being, and then uh, the mayonnaise is what I'm now. And I think that if if I know that networking is something huge for me, I will just do uh, my networking. I will just uh, develop my networking uh, from the first time I joined the company. And uh, with network, you know, you find good fellows, be that friends, and you will have a great career. I learned many things from my college, and they refer me to CEOs, and here I am now. Obviously, you started off in, in architecture, studying architecture, but you went and worked into a bank. But there's no such thing as doing the wrong thing, I guess. Every, everything's an opportunity to learn, and you wouldn't be here if you didn't do those 
things initially as well. I'm here because one of my colleagues from architecture from Bandung Institute of Technology referred me to the Ministry of Tourism. So I'm here. Uh, we can say that we're in the wrong way when we were in the college, say, oh, I'm joining economic. It's, my, it's a wrong choice. No, it's not like that. Uh, university and education will make your systematic thinking clearly better than anyone. So uh, you will have to learn something uh, from your education and it's okay. Just like me, I'm being architect in the uh, Bachelor of Architecture, yeah, but you know, then I will, I do some strategic uh, business planning right now in industrial and institution division. I lead the strategic backbone for my uh, authority board currently. And it's far, far away from architecture. But the main thing is what I learned from architecture that if we build a house, we build the foundation, the wall, the bricks. And uh, this architecture already really make my, you know, systematic mind and systematic thinking uh, well educated so i i use that for my daily uh, routines now in terms of leading a st strategy you look back to a systematic way of doing things that you learned in architecture and you apply it to your job now can you explain to listeners exactly what your job is at the moment okay uh the borobudur authority board is a body uh, under ministry of uh, tourism and creative economy currently and I lead the Directorate of Industry and Institution. Uh, it is called uh, Business Development and Innovation Division, maybe, uh, in a uh, private company. So I do this planning, uh, making the backbone of my company, uh, make the strategic plan, and execute some programs. Uh, and also I coordinate with many stakeholders in uh, tourism and uh, creative economy. Yeah. I try to talk with people from the government, from the academy, from the business and uh, media also about how can we grow this uh, tourism sector because we are not standing alone here. Uh, we need roads, infrastructures, we need uh, human resource and we need to, you know, pull our energy together to grow this sector. Yeah, that's that's my main duty now. So, so you're you're effectively a um a central governing body which pulls together government, private investment, um, media, and and you build strategy and and give advice to each of those different organisations. Is is that correct? Ah, uh, yes, uh, sort like that, Kyle, because. If you want to grow the tourism sector and creative economy, we cannot do that alone. Uh, we say we need a new airport, we need harbors, we need you know uh, toll roads. Those infrastructures are built by the Ministry of Public Works, and I have to tell them that I need an access to Borobudur or I need an access to Central Java. Uh, they will ask me why. Should we build that road or that access? Because I said we have around 50 million domestic tourists come to Yogyakarta and uh, Central Java every year before pandemic. And we also have like 1.2 million international arrivals here. 
if you don't support Asoho, how can we sell our destination? The ecosystem will not be uh, proper for uh, serving those number of tourists if you don't help us. And then I talk to the media. Can you, uh, what we call it, can you uh, support us with the branding? Can you support us with the promotion? Can you tell to the world that Borobudur has every uh, attraction that you need in for vacation? The cultural, the historical, the uh, natural. So I have to pull them together and we do some coordination. And yeah, here we are. Uh, uh, actually, for uh, Borobudur is quite good now. Maybe we'll be the uh, second hub for tourism after Bali in Indonesia. Yeah. What's it, what's it been like seeing, it's obviously the, the growth in tourism in Indonesia has been exponential in the last, no two, three decades. Yeah. How are you coping with the changes that are that are coming in especially when you're dealing with with the locals who who, you know, they, they may not want the change to come, some of them. How how do you deal with um the local community when when change is coming so quickly? Uh if you talk about the tourism and creative economic ecosystem here in uh, Central Java, actually we already uh do some progress yeah there's no one say that we're we're not uh supporting tourism no we all support tourism uh the hardest part is for me to convince uh actually the central government and the local government to work together because there is uh you know authority in our local government so so for a permit is issued by the central government, uh, local government, and several are issued by the central government. And uh, what is what is uh, our success story yeah, in Nusa Dua in Bali? We try to duplicate it here, where we could uh, you know develop our ecosystem, uh, the the destination, the attraction, the access, and uh, basic infrastructures, and also the HR yeah. Because uh, what, from my point of view, tourism is all about exp- uh, experience now, and experience is delivered by people. Uh, when you go to Java, we could uh, serve you politely, and we welcome you here, and we give you a several attraction, and that's what, uh, yeah, that's why Indonesia is one of the most, you know, uh, most likely that if you have a vacation, please come to Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. The um with with the locals uh there like if, if tourism is growing really quickly, how does the education system keep up um with high quality graduates from hospitality schools to do exactly what you just said, you know, to to deliver an experience um and a service to people that's unforgettable. Now what are some of the things that are are being done to make sure that it's maintained, the standards maintained. Yeah. First, we have several university uh, that uh, focus on tourism under the Ministry of Tourism currently. And then we also work together with several other university. And we also work together with the industry. Uh, when you say the curriculum of our training, it was made together by the uh, academicians and the industry. And so we will know that uh, what is the level of standard 
that the human resource in tourism have to deliver to the guests. I did, uh, the standard come from the industry, and then we try to fill the uh, trainers, the mentors, and then uh, we also in several ministries, yeah, like in the ministries of village, we also cooperate with them to develop the tourism village in uh, several uh, destination in Indonesia. So we work together, Kyle. Uh, and uh, some of our students also, uh, you know, they, they study abroad, yeah. We have several uh, cooperation with several universities abroad and several, you know, crews and then uh, hotels and hospitality industries, yeah where we can uh, send our uh, students or some uh, HR yeah, to that uh, institution to learn. And then when they're back to Indonesia, they can uh, serve people better and then they also can teach or become a mentor for other uh, HR in Indonesia. That's one thing I've, I've, I've learned as well is that we try to employ 100% local workforce uh, for my business there. But then watching how they train each other up, they, they care so deeply about each other um, that it really makes it easy for anyone trying to start up a business because you don't have to do it. Once you train one, they train the next and they train the next. So I guess that makes um, the job a little bit easier for, for a, a tourism area that's growing so fast. Um, now, now, you have a lot of foreign investors coming and investing in Borobudur. Um, what are some mistakes uh, that that you see ex, expats make when they when they come and do business in Indonesia? Uh, specifically, you know, like around behaviors. Like, what are some things that you see? Yeah, when I work for foreign company, yeah. sometimes we argue badly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's differently with 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 us in the Eastern culture. Uh, we don't say rude words. Yeah. Uh, we're sometimes being soft and polite and you know that thing when you don't like things and say that it is quite okay but we need to adjust something but when we met our western guy they said that it's a crap Bisma we don't want it <laughs> they said something like that yeah. and it's quite rude for us <laughs> but but it's okay but overall I've worked with uh, great people yeah. some are you know stressful people with high temper especially uh, you know someone who keep up in working like from 8 8 a.m until 11 p.m i think they're quite ahead of very high temper and when you uh, make a mistake then they will boom just like a volcano but uh, there are those polite people as well uh, when i met uh, some expatriates from australia yeah, and from uh, several european country and from japan they're very polite and but it's all okay in life, you know, uh, there are always dust and down in life. So, uh, yeah, we sometimes argue, but uh, hey, it's it's an evening, I said, and uh, we've argued just like one or two hours. Why don't we just go out to Starbucks and have fun some <laughs> for uh, the end of the day, I said. So we're not arguing just like uh, cats and dogs the whole day. No, no, but uh, I think uh, it was fun for me, actually. It's okay. and. Uh, it's not on. It's not about the expected. Actually, in Indonesia, we find someone with you know, like that. But uh, it's the way we handle the situation. So I said that, okay, 
it's been uh, exhausting. Just uh, let's let's uh, find uh, the nearest Starbucks and we can settle all our, pro- all our problems there. That's, it. That's one thing that I noticed as well um, is because I did the same thing. Start at you know, six in the morning, finish at eleven o'clock at night, and I'm grumpy in the evening. I mean, it really does affect uh, the, the the workers because they're so polite and. Um, it's all about relationships, and as soon as you show a sign of anger, you see them change. You know, you see their service delivery change. So you see the way they engage with with other people change. Um, and really, as the leader, we have to remember that we can't we can't treat our staff in Indonesia the same way that we would treat our staff in Australia, and we can't react the same way to situations either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really good point that you make. It's a really good point. Exactly. Um, Now, so we've talked about behaviours now. What are some things that foreign investors in Indonesia need to remember when doing business in Indonesia? Maybe three general tips for doing business in Indonesia. Yeah. uh, First one, find the right partner. Uh, In Indonesia, you need a right partner uh, who can read the political situation, get access to capitals, to market your product and blend with local people, community, and strategic partner. This first, and then that, that's that's really hard to do, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's really hard to do. I know because when I met several investors back there, when I was in uh, the shipping company, they asked me who will be my right partner because we did all the access, all the communication, not only to capital but also to politics thing like that. And then, uh, yeah, it's. It's quite um, exhausting sometimes, but uh, you will find a good local partner here in Indonesia. It's changed uh, dramatically. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're now have this uh, ease of doing business index in uh, you know better and better. Yeah, and then another one is yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know, you have to find the clean and clear location to start your business because permit something <laughs> is something else in Indonesia is. Uh, Actually, it's our problem here. Uh, that's why the president, <laughs> the president, uh, just uh, published the new omnibus law. Yeah. I think we can overcome with it. Uh, and then uh, the third one is just local with the local market. You can start with the local market and then expand to export market. We have this uh, middle class economy growth in our economy and. The economy is quite res- resilient with crisis. We have learned from 2008. And this is for, you know, the local market is for your first cash flow in strategy. And then uh, we have our talented worker who can help you with this export quality product. And you know that Indonesian products are quite well known in international market, just like a shoes, several uh, branded shoes, yeah, uh, clothing. And uh, bags, you know. You mentioned, um, you know, starting with a local market. Um, I think it's almost easier when, um, especially in tourism, to start focusing on an international market because it's easy to market to an international market because of the language, for one. Um, and then it also goes to number one, which is said, st- now, if you f- if you have a strong local partner, then you actually can start focusing on the local, local market um, and, and driving business locally before 
know, going and targeting international um, and visitors. So that that's a really good point that you raised there. Uh, you also touched on the omnibus law um, and and how that's going to make, um, you know, starting with a clean and clear location much easier. Can, can you go into a little bit more detail about how this omnibus law will make it easier? Uh, it simplifies the permit process. Uh, before omnibus law, sometimes, yeah, when investor come to Indonesia and ask about uh, the process of permit, uh, sometimes they don't get clear information. So by this omnibus law, uh, the permit process uh, will be uh, more, you know, more easily. Yeah. And then the, another one is about the uh, workforce, about the salary, the wages, regional standard, and everything. It's all simplified by the omnibus law. So uh, I think that may, the effect is not uh, instantly, yeah. Maybe in around two or three years, uh, two or three years, we can see the progress here. Uh, and it's actually, if I, I read the the content of this omnibus law, it will ease the investor to come and invest in Indonesia and it protect also the business in Indonesia. Yeah, that's amazing because I think one of the biggest, uh, obviously, hurdles to investing in Indonesia is the ownership of land. Um, you know, that, that's one of the biggest hurdles of investing there because you've only got the land for a set period of time and then you know, the government can take it effectively back. Yeah. Um, uh, we have this regulation. So, so do you see this changing? Yeah, we have this regulation with special economic zone. Uh, but still, it's not the what we call the land ownership, yeah. It's like a long list, uh, 80 years, you have... Uh, this permit to use this land and after 80 years then you have to uh, give it back to to the uh, government but it's quite long right it's of uh, 80 years you know uh, maybe it exit your break-even point five or six times yes yes exactly right exactly right now moving on to Borobudur. yeah um what should and why should investors look at Borobudur to invest there um are there any um as you said uh, special economic zones uh, special economic zone is not uh, available yet here. Uh, if we talk about the tourism eco- uh, special economic zone, we have this Mandalika in Lombok Island. Yeah, uh, yeah. Many many partners from abroad ask about why should I invest in Borobudur? What makes it special? Uh, first, we have this uh, UNESCO World Cultural Heritage, the Borobudur Temple. And it, re- it represents the civilization in central Java around 7th or 8th century. It is a great masterpiece. The architecture is amazing. And, you know, remember in 7th or 8th century, we don't have this technology like nowadays, right? And it's the biggest Buddhist temple in the world. Thousands of reliefs craft all over its wall and tell us about the journey of human from the day he was born until... He reached glory, and historically, the temple was built in the middle of an ancient lake, and around around it arise civilization. And it was buried uh, under volcanic ashes when Merapi mountain mountain erupted hundred years ago, and reconstructed by the Dutch. 
And um, if you talk about tourism, yeah, especially tourism investment, the tourism ecosystem is well developed here. The local government, the community, the business are already incorporating to grow the tourism sector. So tourism is one of the main sector that contributes to economy in Central Java and Yogyakarta. And we also grow, you know, other sectors, yeah, like food, agriculture, agribusiness, and manufacturers. And the main point is about the infrastructure here, Kaya. In Central Java and Yogyakarta, around Borobudur, yeah, uh, infrastructure is quite good. The toll roads, the airport, the harbors, it connects everywhere. The new Yogyakarta, we have this new Yogyakarta airport, yeah. It has a 20 million passenger capacity a year and able to serve wide body aircraft like the A340 or 777 Boeing. And also the Trans Java Toll Road, it connects Java from west to east. And also the water supply, electricity are also available. And uh, one more thing, Kyle, it's about our domestic market, yeah, it's growing. And the purchasing power is grow as our middle citizen grow and our economy is better and better. And some international consultant already predicts Indonesia will recover from post-pandemic crisis sooner. So when I say, so what are you waiting for just investing in, in Indonesia, especially in Central Java and Yogyakarta? Yeah. As, as a starting point, when people, um, no, for, for listeners who are trying to pick know where to invest because there there's all these different competing places uh Bali Lombok uh Java um we've got uh where else the other the Toba Lake. Other, yeah Toba Lake. like so many so many so many different places to invest what what's the starting point so if an investor is listening now and they say we want to invest or we're thinking about investing in Borobudur what's the first step who do they contact uh they can contact me in Badan Otorita Borobudur yeah the Borobudur Tourism Authority Board, and we can just uh, accompany you, the investors, to meet the local governments, the partners, and several stakeholders that need it. Just uh, contact to, to me, to Borobudur Tourism Authority Board. Uh, we're not only handling the Borobudur, yeah. actually we're not uh, managing the temple. Uh, it's just our name that we are the Borobudur Tourism Authority Board. Our coordinative area uh, consists of Central Java and Yogyakarta. So if, if uh, investor want to invest here and get some insight, then we can accompany you to all stakeholders here. Mm. Incredible. That's really handy. Thanks for thanks for offering that out. In your role now, what do you think is the, the biggest challenge? Okay, it's my first position as director you know <laughs> it's so hard yeah. because uh, yeah. <laughs> um first uh this is a new body uh this uh borobudur authority board was established in 2018 uh it's a challenge for me to create a proper culture in our organization uh, it's a kind of a long-term perspective, yes, because this culture will be embedded until years long, as long as this body operates. And uh, another one is the coordination and synchronization of our program with stakeholders. That's very challenging. Mm. 
tourism and creative economies, I said before, uh, are not a standalone sector. There are stakeholders who should involve intensively, put their energy together, you know, academician, business, government, community, and media. Everyone has their own goals. And how we put together, that's very challenging. And another one, the, and this is what uh, you say about uh, the hardest part of Indonesia, yeah? regulation, regulation, and regulation. That's the main issue in here. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the omnibus law come to the surface, right? <laughs> Because this regulation is something in Indonesia. Yeah. And we even got the hardest time, even as a government body, we also have this hardest time to coordinate with other ministry to grow the sector. And uh, let, last but not least, yeah, Kyle, in this time, like in pandemic time, we have this very hard condition. The hardest part for me is to keep my team energy, to keep them happy so we can take this challenge lightly. You know, together we can. I love your attitude, Papisma. I absolutely Thank love you, your Kyle. attitude and your approach. I think this is exactly the sort, this is exactly the sort of attitude that, that Ind- Indonesia needs right now. And you know, what, what a blessing for, for the people that work um, with you to have a leader like yourself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what has been something that you've learned about yourself as a leader in the, in the last 12 months of COVID? Um, yeah, it's hard. This one is hard to answer. <laughs> um, first one, I think empathy and be more aware and care about your team. Uh, I'm not a leader if I don't have a team. Who's the leader without a team? No, nobody. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, we also try to find out yeah, what we can do best in this pandemic event. Yeah, We try to reconfigure ourselves, our resources to get things done rapidly. Uh, I usually uh, study, you know, change management, the, the quarter, the seven, A step of change in McKenzie. Okay, we're not doing that seven step now in pandemic area. We have to change rapidly. We use what we have. We don't have any time or money or power to acquire other resource. And you know, it's very challenging. And this uh, make us think just like disruptors. Yeah, uh, we reconfigure the way our doing business coordination and also our deliverables. And yeah, follow the disruptor ways. <laughs> we do many coordination by online in even in this quiet heart, but you know, we cop, we'll keep on going with that. Uh, after this, you know, exhausting, uh, business before pandemic, yeah, it's now the right time for you to start, uh, your empathy with, with your team to start to understand how they feel. And, uh, it's time for, Everyone will tell you the truth currently. <laughs> They're not, you know, saying something else because we're in the time of crisis and everyone have to work harder with what they have. That's, that's the, something I learned from this 12 months pandemic. We're going to wrap this podcast up, but in closing, you know, what does Indonesia look like for you in 50 years time? What's, what's the, the Indonesia that you want to see Uh, when you have great grandchildren running around, you know what? What do you want to see in 50 years' time? Uh, I want Indonesia to be one of the biggest economy in the world, 
uh, both as market and as player i dream of food technology industry clean energy industry tourism digital apps fashion and architectural design as our future i see opportunity in indonesia i'm very positive person Kyle. <laughs> and uh, we own you know many natural resources and we have talented workforce and we won many championships in science sport and art those make us proud to be indonesian and we overcome crime and corruption currently and i know that we will be the next target for investment growth in southeast asia we will grow faster than anyone else now one last thing uh who inspires you um, in the hospitality industry that I should interview on this podcast next? Okay, for hospitality industry, I would like you to interview my best friend. Uh, he is Ari Prasetyo. Ari Prasetyo. Okay. Uh, I will I will text you his name yeah later on. <laughs> yep. Uh, he was the pre- yeah he was the president director of Toba Tourism Authority Board, uh, government body just like us in uh, central java but he's in the lake toba in uh, north sumatra and uh, now he's the director of operation and innovation in indonesia tourism uh, development corporation the itdc the one the state company that operates nusa dua and mandalika yes he's very inspiring person and i learned a lot uh, he was uh, he was in uh, Toba, yeah, in Bodor, uh, the authority in Toba, 2016, and uh, I was in Borobudur two years later, and I learned a lot from him. Not only how to coordinate people and how to uh, manage tourism, no, but how to manage your team, and you can go even in a hard time like this. It's very inspiring. Amazing. I look forward to, to speaking to him. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. I would like to introduce you to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Pak Bisma, look, I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for, for your words today. Thank, thank you, Kyle. Thank you. <laughs> because my heart breaks thinking about the businesses uh, that aren't making money at the moment. But I think together by sharing our stories, we can learn from each other. And when, when the market starts again, like you said, Indonesia will be stronger for it, and I hope that I can be play a part, a little part, in uh, getting the hospitality industry back on its feet. So thank you very much. That's great. Lovely. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. I personally reply to each review and message myself. Now, for all the show notes and links to information we discussed on the show today, simply head to our website on www.indonesiahospitality.com where you can also find bonus content to help you on your hospitality journey. Now, this podcast is about sharing the amazing stories that make up the Indonesian hospitality industry. Individually, we are incrementally better. Together, we are exponentially better. Until next time, sampai jumpa lagi and season greetings.